Hey people, what is good? This is episode 78. This is John Mayer. The episode starts right now. Oh, hot damn. This is my JM. <laughs> Keep me partying to the AM. <laughs> What's up, John? How you doing, man? Good. I like the freestyle, Jay. Keep it going. Don't stop. <laughs> it's, you know, it's bitten, okay? That's Flo Rida, so I got to cite my source. <laughs> man, I, man, dude, I'm growing up in New York. I felt like everyone on my block could freestyle except for me. I'm like, man, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, but I they, can't can they carry up you like you? No. No, there's yeah. there. Well, right. Like volleyball, there's levels to that, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so how's it going, man? How's how's um, uh, LMU? Did you have um, how did the pandemic affect your non-traditional season and um, going pretty much going up to this point? Walk me through a little some stuff from a, a few months ago up to now. Yeah, I mean, it, it affects everything. Um, I mean, I don't want to make too big a deal because there's people who are sick and, and losing loved ones. So, you know, there's nothing to complain about, um, but it's different. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, normally, <clears throat> normally we practice down at the beach and, and we can't do that. Um, so we have one court on campus and we practice there. Um, so one court's uh, not a lot of space for 15 athletes. So we end up running, you know, around three practices a day. Uh, the girls wear masks and, you know, we get tested and, uh, there's, you know, unfortunately, some of the the things that come out of that is there's more isolation. You know, people uh, aren't allowed to gather. And I think a big part of the college experience isn't just, you know, the classroom. There's the social time, the social, you know, aspect of it. And the team really misses out and the girls miss out on a lot of that. So it's a different world. But, you know, at the same time, we're thankful for what we have. And we know there's um, there's a lot worse things going on, so we're happy to be able to play volleyball and be, be together, even if it's in a different way. That is a big, big, big point you made. I mean, think about full-time students like 15 credits, all right? As little as 12, yeah. as many, you know, some go 18 and some maybe in the off-season go buck wild with 21. But that's only a few hours out of the week, <laughs> you know? Think yeah. about anyone working, anyone listening at home, right? Let's say you got like an eight-hour day. You work a nine-to-five. I mean, maybe you spend a lot of time sleeping. Maybe some of you out there value your sleep, like I'm sure John does. Like Kelly, yeah, dude, Kelly definitely does. But that is a lot of hours not in the classroom. That, like you said, there's a fellowship and there's a, like you said, the full college experience that um, um, that even makes some athletes not play a sport. You know, they did. They, some yeah. people don't want their 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 um their obsession with their sports to be the complete college experience, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you can miss out. No, I think some of the conversations, you know, in between class, that's when you learn a bunch. You you talk about someone from a you know with a different <clears throat> viewpoint on something, and you stay up late with your room, roommate debating something, or you know, even just uh, just normal fun college stuff. You know, it's it's all gone, and yeah. uh, you know, it's a sad thing for them, and and. And, you know, the classroom experience is, it's like this, you know, it's on Zoom. You don't get that interaction with your professor, with your fellow classmates. So, hmm. you know, there's there's big losses there. But, you know, it's, it's everyone's in it and we're all trying to make the best of it. And that's all we can do for now. And, and hopefully we're heading the right direction and things will, you know, start to open up more in the near future. But hmm. we'll see. 
Are you going to get into your speech about taking care of things you can control? Huh, John? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> no, you kidding? I um, If there's anything I took from you, I was with you at LMU for a, um, for a, for a, um, uh, for a bit. Um, very, very happy that that led to the WCCs. I I, that was quite the moment. And I remember you telling me that was the only time your athletic director... Um, um, you know, came through or had time to come through, and that, yeah, and that was the day you won the WCC. So, yeah, I have a pretty cool picture behind me that you took with me. Um, because I remember leaving early, I had to, um, you, you, you already had your situation, situation with, um, how could I say, with grad assistance, you know, for what was it called? What, what the hell was the position, the title called again? Oh, director of operations, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you already had, you know, DOOs and this and that. And me, I was doing color commentary for Pepperdine's home games and this and that. So, I really wished that because I was with you guys for most of that process. And you said the coolest thing like, I took a picture with you and and I said, Man, I wish I was a part of this. And you're like, You are a part of this, Jay, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> and I thought about it and I said, Wait a second, he's right. He's right, because yeah. when we when I came on the year before, that team was like six and thirteen, and then the year I was with you, you guys were like twenty two and fourteen, um, headed the right direction and mm -hmm. going pair five right uh, against top five teams. UCLA, you played them twice, but one of them was decided, you know, three pairs of two. Hawaii, that was a um, that was a game you played at C UCLA. A block schedule and that went to like five i mean of course hawaii it's hard to beat them on that island it's like they have superpowers <laughs> but i wanted to show you this i actually have a, a camera and i wanted to show you this picture um it's a cool thing about teching my own show let me see if i can find it it's right here oh no that's not it that's it right there that's a picture oh, there you go picture of you and me so this wall behind awesome. me it's supposed to be all California stuff. Those are the, the coaching credentials and all that stuff. Everything else is like stuff that I've done from 1990 all the way to the present. Of course, um, consolidating, right? Because you can't, you can't take, when you move, you can't take everything with you. But speaking of interaction, I remember Bo. Bo, Bo stood with you, right? Is Bo on her senior year? No, she's actually um, doing her master's at USC. Oh, and she, yeah, uh, I believe she's on their roster. Yeah, it worked out. She got there's a program there that made a lot of sense for the direction she was going. So she's there. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see her this season. I really liked the conversation we had about um, this is before they passed legislation about um, I don't know what the term is, but basically for everyone listening at home, it's about uh, players being able to profit from their likeness. And her and I had a heated, heated debate where like Aaron Mansfield and you guys are like, are those two OK? <laughs> we're at a restaurant because she her whole argument was it was, you know, the, the, the rules are, are set there to protect this or to protect the players. But my argument was, I don't think the government should do it when it's convenient for somebody else to make money. Right. Think about mm -hmm. how like, John, how old do you have to be to serve in the military? 18, right? 18, right? Yeah. You, you, you can shoot somebody or you could have your legs shot off before you're even allowed to have a drink. So, I mean, so, I mean, there, there's, it's a crazy, it was a crazy argument. Like you're a coach, you're getting paid, you're making money the coach, right? Um, some sports information directors or DOOs or assistant coaches or some of them are volunteer, but some of them make money. The AD makes money. Um, sports talk shows. Max Kellerman, uh, um, I'm making money right now just talking about just talking about sports. And it was, and to me, it was crazy that the kid, a kid can't profit from their likeness. I'm, I'm not saying play profit from playing the sport, 
but like if you you know Jason Olive for a long time, right? He was the first mm -hmm. lawsuit um, because they said he couldn't uh, model for Ralph Lauren and mm -hmm. and Versace at the time, and he was like, he's like y'all y'all crazy as hell. So so um, John, I guess my question is, it really hasn't messed with volleyball that much, right? It's not like volleyball was like as um, beach uh, beach volleyball or indoor volleyball is a huge money maker for the colleges to begin with, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, probably. I think almost every sport, but basketball and football, the universities lose money. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's a. I don't. I don't know enough about the situation. I mean, I know most of our girls are really thankful when they're able to get money towards their their education. Mm -hmm. um, so I know it's maybe a little different dynamic. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's uh, it's a complicated issue for sure for a football or basketball player, and I think there's a lot to consider in that that conversation. No, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, uh, well, I guess I already made my stance clear, but but um, I think beach volleyball is, is one of those sports that's going to be around for a long time and it's going to make and, and 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 it might it might pass women's basketball. And, and, and I mean, you think about the um, Big Ten women's volleyball is already more popular than women's basketball. You know, I mean, I mean, that's oh, yeah. to me, that's the most powerful conference for women's indoor right now, I think. You got Stanford as an outlier on the West Coast, but but what else, you know? But I I think John, that's where women's volley beach volleyball is headed. I think because it's such a That'd be great. yeah man. What are your thoughts on that? I need you. I need to let you talk some man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd love to see the sport continue to grow. Mm. I mean, the indoor games it's got a thirty year head start, so uh, it's it's hard to compare it. You know, we're in such different places. I think you know. The beach were a little more limited, maybe weather-wise and regionally, so that could that could slow it down. Um, and then for sure, COVID is going to slow things down. You know, it, it, you know, I don't know if schools are going to want to add sports and the budgets behind it. But in terms of in terms of entertainment value, I think it's a really entertaining sport, and I think people would be excited to watch it. And I know it's done well with the you know Gulf Shores on ESPN. I think that's it's gotten some good coverage. Um, but it's not something I think about a lot. Like I want to grow the sport, but Mainly, I want to try to help my girls improve each day and, and prepare them for life after college. So yeah. um, if the sport grows, that'd be great. If not, um, it's a pretty cool community right now, and, and it's fun to get to do what we do. Yeah. To me, it's very much like theater. Like, my major in college was theater at Marymount Manhattan. I was in a BFA program. And if you wanted to network and, like, I guess, build your brand as an actor, like there's certain schools you don't go to and there's certain places you do go to, like Pace. The actor studio ran the MFA at Pace. So that's like 50 actors, 12 directors, right? Uh, Brooklyn College, um, nine actors, three directors. So there are some people where they're just trying to hone their craft. Maybe they want to teach it someday in there and, and they, I guess, par for the course, master. <laughs> Right, master their 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 um their art and um and Brooklyn's where you want to go. But for networking, I guess what um it's so weird because volleyball seems to be doing a little bit of both. Uh, girls beach volleyball. Since it's become an NCAA sport, John, all of the club sizes have tripled. I think CIF has now named it an, an official high school sport, and and we're off to the races. <laughs> and we're off to the races. So my question to you, because I'm steering it somewhere, Kanye West style, so people don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I'm gonna bring it back. We had a conversation about bracketology the last time you were on my podcast. Um, John Mayer, episode 30, I think. And um, at that time, there I believe there were eight teams. 
there were three, I guess, three from the western side of the country and three from the east and two. Um, no, just four and four. Tell me. Talk to me. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think it's three from the east, three from the west, and two wild cards. Right. And now, what's going on? Because I remember I had an opinion about, about them having a Power 5 conference. Like, if they're only going to have eight bids, man, just take the champion from each uh, powerful conference and then have three at-large bids, which I thought was more was very sensible, you know? Um, what's going on with the bracketology? Yeah, you know, I'm not on the committee. I know Todd Rogers and Andrew Fuller uh, are on the NCAA committee, and um, I think that they'd like to make it bigger. I think they want to – there's a, a proposal for a 12-team tournament and a 16-team. Um, I know there's different options of doing like a regionals, you know, maybe you do like a West coast, a mid, a middle, like a Texas and then a, a East coast regional and then end up somewhere. Uh, but all that stuff costs a lot of money. And, um, as of now, there isn't the funding to, to expand it. So I think as of now and the foreseeable future, it'll be eight. Um, and again, I don't think the, uh, all the, NC, all the money the NCAA has lost from, uh, all the COVID cuts and no March Madness has really probably pushed back the expansion, I guess, a number of years. But um, for the amount of teams we have, we should have a tournament of at least 20 or more. You know, if it was if it was percentage-wise how most sports are supposed to be, we should have a much, much bigger bracket. So it's unfair to the athletes, unfair to the experience that they get. Uh, but, you know, it makes it, I guess, all the more special if you do get in that elite uh, eight to make it to the Gulf Shores. Yeah. I mean, for the people who missed the last podcast, I mean, for me, I said that there were five conferences. I think there's the Carolinas, and I think there's a conference where Florida State and LSU is in. Then you have the Pac-10 Pac or whatever, or 12, or whatever the hell they call themselves these days. The Big West, um, where Todd Rogers is in with Cal Poly, and of course, University of Hawaii, Long Beach State. And then, of course, the... the um, the beautiful West Coast conferences has you, the Pep Pepperdine. St. Mary's always produces a very good team every year, and mm -hmm. and now you have um, Jeff Alzina at Santa Clara. You know, if yep. you, you know things get better when that man's around all the time. Ali McCulloch, sure. of course, the big, is going to help you know with the Big West because I think her and Kevin are, are highly capable coaches. So for yep. me, I would have loved to have John. Let's just, I mean, they're going to have those are the teams that are going to afford a conference championship anyway. So. Name the conference championship an automatic bid, and then the, then the other three are at large, you know, at large bid. I it broke my heart to see you guys win, you know, climb out of hell in a double double elimination tournament and have to beat Pepperdine not once, but twice, <clears throat> and then they ended up going uh, because they uh, they were a length ahead of the race as far as the race to the the the, the tournament as you uh, than you guys were. So, you know, I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it'd be nice. Uh, it'd be great. I mean, I think that's... Does that make sense the, to you, though? Yeah, typically the conference tournament, the point of it is so you get automatic qualification. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're, it's a, you know, it's, we're a newer sport, and that just wasn't in place yet. And I think it should be at some point. Um, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if you want to give away five spots. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at it close enough. You I, know, mean, I mean, when you... It, mm -hmm. It'd be hard to limit it. Um, I can right. see how, like... I don't know if a conference has a down year, you might not want to give away one of those. But I think the way they do it now, it seems like usually the top eight are in there. So yeah, I true. think it's good. I think mainly we just got to make it bigger. Yeah, like when FIU got in, everybody was like, huh? And then when they beat USC in the first round, they were like, okay. 
<laughs> you know. I think, I think it was Stetson, but yeah. That oh, was Stetson. A big win. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Stetson. Yeah, that was a big win. Oh, my goodness. That was a big win. And yeah. Then, God, the coaching staff is really good there, by the way. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, oh, man, they used a whole bunch of foreign players. And I'm like, man, just shut up. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. I mean, and the guy from UCLA saying that, I'm like, who's who's your pair one team? He's like, the McNamara's. I'm like, where are they from? <laughs> Canada. Sit down and shut up, right? USC, <laughs> right? Who Who is their best player uh, at, at that, that, that time? It's Tina Gradina, the, the, you know, the Latvian sensation. Yeah, she's still uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's going to the Olympics. So. Yeah, but she, I think she's playing this year. She is. She was on my yeah. podcast. She was on uh, two weeks ago. She was on the podcast yeah. two weeks yeah. ago. To me, she's the number one and number two player in, 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 in college beach volleyball right now. I got to give the rub to Kristen Nuss from um, LSU. Yeah. Um, now she's picked up Taryn Clo- uh, Cloth, uh, mm-hmm. indoor player out of Creighton. Um, mm-hmm. 6'5", outside hitter, which is outside hitters are such great transition players to the beach. Don't you agree? I mean, you were an outside. You were an oppo and a setter, right? Yeah, mainly a setter, but yeah, one yeah. year I, I hit, yeah. But those are the two positions, in my opinion, that translate the easiest from from the beach, uh, indoor to the beach, because the the fundamentals, the skills are already tight. You know, at that mm-hmm. level, you have to pass with your forearms anyway. No one's passing with their hands unless they want to get their thumbs broken. Um, yeah. So who's the best player on your team without slapping anybody else down? Is is it Aya or, is, or you got someone coming up? Uh, who's your well, who's your pair one? We're really thankful that I mean, Ia has been great. Uh, she's a really good player. Gosh, I don't know. We don't know what our first pair right now. Uh, Reka Orsi Toth is you know a really high level player. Um, her partner last year, Selena Maroff. Okay. Um, Megan Rice has uh, really come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I think we have a pretty deep team. Her breakthrough year was 2019. Just her finding herself and just, you know, I, I followed you guys for a little bit and just watching her be a better version of herself, like pretty much every match, like a little bit better, this one a little bit better, a little bit better. And I'm like, wow, good for you, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Also for the people listening at home, that's the challenge that John in practice brings to his players um, pretty much every practice, every season. The one thing, and I, and I want to give you the, the floor in a minute. Cause I, come on, I'm inviting you. I'm doing all the talking, but um, the one, the one of the cool things, I, and I've been coaching for a long damn time. I've been coaching longer than Betsy's lived. Um, congratulations, she got a baby, right? She yeah, got a, oh, yeah, I saw that little, and you yeah. know what? The baby didn't come out looking like an alien, <laughs> right? Yeah. Some of them are like, take me to your leader, <laughs> yeah. but um, and we're gonna talk about your other coaches, your your new coach, uh, Carissa Cook, in a minute, but. The coolest thing I got from one of your practices, and I, I mean, this is as close to tough love as I've ever seen you give someone. You said you can come to practice and you could do a bunch of things that you're good at, you know, get a whole bunch of reps and then you, and feel good about yourself and then leave. And he says, but do you become a better player from, from that? Uh, or, you know, and and they're like, no. And you're like, I think you said maybe, maybe not, <laughs> you know, maybe or maybe not. But if you challenge yourself and then some things, some demons you conquer in practice, so sometimes you get your butt kicked. You, I'm paraphrasing. You always learn. You, you always come out of learning at least one thing, you know, mm. and you had this whole you win or you learn thing. And, and um, I really like that. I thought that was really yeah. cool. Floor is yours. Talk about that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, no, I think you, you nailed it. Um, I think we all generally prefer comfort and we want to do what's easy. Um, that's built into us, I think, from the evolutionary, uh, our background. 
Um, so yeah, I think what we want is, you know, maybe easy serves and free balls and, and, uh, no wind. And we just, yeah, we just want things to be comfortable, but, uh, I don't think a lot of learning happens when you're comfortable and, and not being pushed and not being stretched, uh, and, and not being, you know, put at the edge of your abilities. So, and then on top of that, I think the, the practice has to be representative of, of a match. It has to be, you know, you have to experience the same challenges and, in a match, the other team's trying to find your weaknesses and they're uh, trying to exploit where you struggle. So we want to create those same stresses and the same challenges when, when practice comes around. And I think that's where, you know, if, if you do those things, then you can develop trust in yourself and you can, you know, maybe have more confidence heading into a match versus uh, treating practice like, uh, you know, just a, a rep, uh, feel good sort of deal. Then I don't think you have uh, you haven't prepared and I don't think you can trust that you're ready for whatever challenges you face when match time comes. Cool. Well, let's get into the crux of the podcast. One of the, I had a lot of uh, things I wanted to talk about, but before we run out of time, cause you're a busy guy, you're probably going to live in the video room like a hermit after this it reminds me of someone I know. Um, I wanted to have a conversation about the most talented team versus knowing your partner. And um, I don't think you knew about this before or whatever, you know, I'm, I didn't mean it. I'm not trying to drop this on you like a bomb, but how important is knowing your partner, having the best chemistry over having just your best two players as far in regards to just trying to set up a pair one or a powerful pair one or pair two, you know, like I'll yeah. give you an example, like UCLA, when they won their second year, the best team was the McNamara's, but. I thought the best player was Sarah Sponsor, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So your thoughts on, on the conflicting forces of most talented team versus um, knowing your partner? Yeah, I, th I think if I understand right, um, uh, I, I think probably more so on the, the women's side, maybe having team chemistry and really feeling like you, uh, you know, have the right balance of, maybe emotional strengths and, and personality. I think that can be a really important factor to consider. I think it really matters on the male side too, but um, maybe even more important on the, the female side. Uh, but I think in the end, I would, I would take uh, <laughs> trying to find the right skill set. Like we try to look at the numbers, you know, how, how's her first ball side out? You know, how much does she point score when she serves? Um, how's her transition attacking? Um, how can this player, how can this player maybe, if she has a weakness, then can her partner kind of, um, you know, maybe bring a strength that'll uh, kind of balance out that weakness. So, I mean, I think it's, the answer is it's always both. Like you want to find the right, the right chemistry so that they can bring the best out of each other. But you're, I think you can, I think you can build chemistry and if, if they play well and they, they win, then they'll, they'll like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think it's more important maybe that you get the right, the right pieces, like the right strengths uh, in terms of, you know, can they point score? Can they, um, you know, can they set out things like that? So, uh, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I think both no, matter. You, and you gotta, you gotta consider it all. Well, the question um, but, comes in so many layers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's it. I think, um, I think you can, you can build, build chemistry and I mean, you can improve at the skills too. Like if you're, if you're not, uh, I don't know if you get aced a lot and, uh, <laughs> I think you can improve at that. But if you have a player who maybe gets aced a lot and struggles in serve receive, maybe it makes sense to put them with a player who can who can pass a lot of the court and um, you know short make the court smaller for them. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and I'd consider that before I'd be like, well, you know, is their personality type right for this player? Um, I mean, I definitely consider all of it. So I don't think it's an either or. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to consider. It's really hard to, to figure out the right the right team. And I, I really value the player's input. You know, who do they like playing with? Who do they feel like they um, they play well with? And I think if they feel like they're a part of the decision, then they're more, more motivated once the decision's made. No doubt. Yeah. So I think it's one of the hardest parts of our job uh, as college coaches trying to figure out the right right teams. And it, dude, and it's ten times more important for women's women's volleyball than it is men's. You know, men, you'll know. I mean, honestly, I guess pr- probably because I've been coaching men more than I've been coaching women the beginning and the middle of my career. But I know the first practice, first fifteen minutes of practice, who's who, you know, who goes well where. And women, I'm just like, man, I gotta, I gotta see more. <laughs> I gotta see more. I gotta do this. Okay, I gotta look at video. I gotta do that. So, so, and think about it. You as a former player, like, I think talent-wise, at the time, I thought Trevor Crabb was probably the, and and, and I'm only going like a three-year period of of your partner switches. You played with Avery Dross, you played with Ryan Dougherty, you played with Stafford Slick for uh, uh, for, for a bit. Um, like Trevor might have been the most talented partner, but I thought chemistry-wise, the most successful partner was you and Avatar. So, you know, so I mean, um, tell me. Oh, I mean, Trevor's, yeah, he's a stud. I love yeah. playing with him. I mean, we won two FFVB events and he was great. Um, Ryan, I think, yeah, Ryan uh, and I were probably closer to our peak when we played together, where we were both playing at probably the best, the highest level we'd played. Uh, Personality-wise, we got along really well. Um, we were pretty low-key, mellow on the court, and um, just had a similar kind of similar values, similar goals. Hmm. Uh, Jeff Nygaard was a guy who just like I saw eye to eye with. You know, we, we yeah. trained, um, we just trained in a similar way and approached the game in a similar way. So, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of like the right person at the right time. You know, um, it was Jeff was great for me because it was, it was the end of his career and the beginning of mine, so I got to learn a lot from him. Yeah, uh, and I, I wanted to, you know, I, I think I hopefully played a little bit of that role with Trevor. I mean, I learned a lot from him, but I liked the idea of um, imparting some of my experience, some of my knowledge, and and growing together. But yeah, I, I mean, I was lucky to have a lot of good partners. Yeah, I, I also think you bring a discipline to um, your partnerships that I'm not saying that they're not disciplined. I'm not going to make that a logical leap, but like there is as far as a time and a place to do something, not not just show up to practices, but but allotting a time for this, allotting a time for that. Um, you had this really cool thing about things that you thought you did, um, like if I'm your partner, something I thought you did well, and then you come back at me, one thing you you, you feel you want to do better, and like that, that give and switch, which I, by the way, implement in all, all of my beach practices. And, then the, nice. and the men hated it, but they like it now. They, 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 they get it they get it and now in these these real game situations they you know they'll do something and then they'll look at me and be like hey you know that was that was from practice <laughs> that was from practice so yeah so is um is stafford gone is he is he, is he done with volleyball yeah, Did I, hear that right? that. I, I know um yeah you should talk to him more okay um i know he you know three kids now and there's a lot of uncertainty around the avp so I think he's working right now, but I'm sure I could see if the AVP kind of, you know, kind of has a full schedule. I could see him coming back. Okay. I think he's he's got to, you know, take care of his family first and have his, have a paycheck each week uh, to pay for those diapers. No doubt. But, man. Uh, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know what he what he's going to ultimately do. And I think it was a sad part. Um, I think it was 2010 when AVP went bankrupt. Uh, I had started playing around 2004, and it was a crossroads for me. It was like, you know, is this going away? I've put so much into it. Should I stop playing? Should I get into coaching? And I, I considered stopping. But that that year, I think we lost a lot of good players, people like uh, Aaron Watchvogel, Mark oh, Williams, Billy Strickland. There's a number, I mean, and female players too. Yeah. That, that you know, that lull, it's like, well, I, I can't just like keep practicing and, and have no tournaments and not make money. I have to get a job. And I imagine the same thing will happen with uh, COVID. I think it'll send some players away sooner than, you know, maybe they would have. Uh, I think they would have played longer. So I, I hope Stafford's not one of those. I hope he's back and I, I hope there's tournaments to play. But well, those are the hard decisions. You know, you got a, you got a family and got to take care of that family. Yeah, I mean, you got, I, I call it playing house. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got to play house, meaning you got to take care of your bills. You got to take care of your things at home uh, from from a monet, you know, monetary or or or, or um, that grounded first chakra type thing like your security. Right. Your yeah. base. Um, yeah. And not to mention you have three kids, you know, you know, you do not want to allow life to pass you by where you miss these moments and this and that. Right. I took a, John, I took a giant step back from volleyball. Everybody's like, where's Jason? I don't hear his big mouth, you know, on the podcast. <laughs> I don't see him on the beach because a lot of times I'm on the beach coaching or I'm just watching people play because you know, that's that's how we ingratiate ourselves in the sport. But I'm like, I got a four-year-old, dude. You know, I got, you know, I got a cute little toehead at home and, and I don't want, I'm not trying to have that. And it's weird because even though the AVP or like men's pro beach volleyball seems like a part-time gig to prepare for it. It's uh, uh, with a heightened level of success. It's a full-time gig. Oh, yeah. You know, look, I was going to say you and Billy Allen should just go play one just for fun. Cause I remember watching you guys qualify for uh Norseka. I remember you and him did play a little small ball and you guys split block until one of you guys, one, I think one of you felt a little better about it than the other. I think Billy, <laughs> like Billy took some blocks or whatever this and that. So, um, I um, implemented a lot of your defense, defensive stuff in my men's practices. Just and balance to me, balance is the key for defense because I've seen you play where you have good twitch reaction, you have good breakaway speed, you have good, you have decent quickness, John. Um, but you always put yourself in a position where the ball comes to you. And you always, sometimes if you feel like you have to wait, wait a little longer to make one move instead of two moves, I, I thought you were very, very good with that. And, and it's so much fun, me as a coach, as a beach coach, because I came, when I was with you, I was a rookie, dude. <laughs> when I was at LMU, look, I had coaching experience, but this beach thing and understanding why it works and, man, it's just it's just amazing. Let me shut up because um, I'm supposed to be. This isn't an interview. It's a podcast. So that's that's why I'm allowing us to just do and say yeah. whatever we want. But my fear, John, was that like this pandemic could might might have spelled the um, might have been the beginning of the end for men's volleyball. Women's volleyball, mm. I think when the pandemic hit was already a snowball rolling down the hill, getting a little bit bigger. And I knew if the the NCAA invested in it and if the the high schools and clubs invested in it. It has legs of its own. But but the men, even to this day, even though it's the mo the more popular sport to watch in the Olympics, and the and the finals is more dynamic and engaging than the women's finals, taking nothing away from um, climbing and Ross or whatever. I mean, for a sport that that everybody's going bananas about, it's it's suffering. 
you know and and i guess my question to you is does this survive the pandemic i need i'm asking an optimist here <laughs> tell me <laughs> you mean on, on a professional level yes uh gosh i'd have to talk to donald's son and i i'm not in on the business side of things mm-hmm. um I wouldn't see why it'd be any different than the women's side. I mean, I think they're they're comparable, and the FIVB is the same thing. I think it's the same funding. You know, it's it's covering both of them. So I don't I don't see the you know I, I think COVID will affect both. I don't I don't see it affecting the men more than the women. Um, for sure, the NCA obviously there is no men's volleyball, and <laughs> I don't think it got any closer with uh, all these budget cuts. So it's probably yeah. further away than it it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if there even was any glimmer of hope. I, I, I doubt that there will be. I think I would imagine men's indoor would happen, or, or um, men's indoor would grow more before they'd add another, you know, another sport like men's beach. And yet, I, I, hopefully, there'll be a club, you know, club level of of uh, college beach for men. I would do that. I mean, I would def- <laughs> sign <Yeah>. me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Stanford. Awesome. I, had, I had Wendy Jones on the podcast, and she was, we were talking a little bit about Stanford and and them actually just trying to raise money and save their program. But it's the crazy yeah. thing is there's so many uh, uh, things outside of the money that even if they did come up with the money, they still probably would it pro- still what, probably wouldn't save the program. And it's so frustrating to me, John, that mm-hmm. that. Um, men's volleyball you i mean you could use that as an excuse every year even if you have a good year men's volleyball is not going to make money for the college so so to me i would say you have to treat men's volleyball like the arts it ain't it ain't doing nothing it's just something like you said for a college for the college experience and interaction and fellowship and and through performance i'm very very disappointed at stanford um um on the outside in, didn't even look like they they were trying. I mean, I learned more, and they were. But Wendy Jones has a son that's a freshman there right now. That's why mm. her daughter's mm. at TCU playing for Hector. So she's one of these these volleyball moms that's just producing babies that are, that are going to play. You know, that are playing com- competitive volleyball. So, but think about it, right? The only one that's even making money is the head coach, right? I mean, that's not even a lot of money. It's not like a, a regular D one. A lot of all of the assistants are volunteer. Uh, um, the the net and the system and the facilities are already there because they have a women's team. They don't travel a lot. I mean, t- Stanford, unless if you want to play them, you have to fly to them <laughs> or or catch them on a block schedule if they're playing. You know, on if they drive a bus to USC or whatever. So, so I really really hope they do good things with that program. I mean, they were they were a good team when you played at Pepperdine, right? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, the, a lot of legends have come through Stanford. Um, it's been a good program for a long time. Yeah. Canyon Seaman, Matt Furbringer, yeah. um, Kevin Hansen, the yeah. Olympian. Lambert, uh, Mike Lambert. In the yeah, 90s. Mike Lambert. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's before you. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a serious program and it's been a really good program. And I don't think any, again, any NCAA sports are making money other than men's basketball, men's football. Um, so I think men's volleyball is similar to women's gymnastics or, I mean, I don't know the business side that well, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a big, uh, a big hole in their, in their budgets. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it's sad if, uh, to lose that program and I hope there's no more coming out. I don't, my impression is there aren't, um, but I, unfortunately I think, I think men's volleyball was growing a little bit and, and maybe that's gotten slowed down. Yeah. I mean, in the East coast, we lost at the time you were playing at Pepperdine they'd lost like five D2 programs that were really really good LIU Southampton um mm. you know Mike Sala came out of that school they don't even have a 
I don't even think they have a campus anymore, but like East Stroudsburg University, uh, Concordia in upstate New York, which mm. which is basically a foreign player <laughs> school contingency, not not to be compared with the Concordia here. In fact, in my opinion, there's no there's no comparison. But yeah, say um, Cal Baptist, you know, they, they just became NCAA and now, and now they don't have a team. They, they were NAIA for a long time. So, yeah, so. Um, before I ask my la- my or present my last topic, I have uh, something a humorous thing. I had Kelly Kalinske on the podcast, right? I had yeah. Dane Blanton on the podcast, mm-hmm. and I asked Kelly, "Is Pepperdine the cool kid school?" <laughs> Think about the nicest human beings I ever met in my life, and like all of you played for Pepperdine, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Jeff Stork. Nice guy, uh, Bob yeah. Stavertly. Nice guy, Dane Blanton. He's uh, he's only one or two people that have the triple crown, right? He has an AVP championship, Olympic gold medalist, and an NCAA. Um, uh, as far as the men are concerned, only he and Karch, right? So, well, I didn't realize yeah. that. So, um, yeah, there's no no one else unless you you know you wanted to play and come back and play. <laughs> but Sean Rooney, right? Yeah, dude. I had Ryan Millar. He's like, yeah, on, on, who played for BYU. He's like, yep, that's that's a that's a nice guy. That's a cool kid school. <laughs> yeah, that's nice people to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, I never thought of myself as cool, so I don't know if I fit in there. But yeah. there's a lot of good people. We'll, we'll just call you through. nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a legendary coach. You know, I can speak for the men's side, uh, Marv Dumphy, who you know has created a culture of uh, developing men and and you know, developing people who want to push themselves to be their best. And uh, there's a real camaraderie. I think people who I didn't even play with, people who played 10 years before me, 10 years after me, I feel a bond with uh, because of the culture that, that Marv's created. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really privileged and thankful that I got to be a part of that that program and, and to play there and, and to be, you know. And you won a chip. Uh, yeah, we won my senior year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, really special. I mean, all three years I was there, we were – we were really good. I was like, I was there at a time where um, Marv had it going. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. And gosh, I still, I, anytime I could spend around Marv, I'm thankful for it. And anytime I could see old teammates, I, I love it. So yeah, Pepperdine's great. I mean, my wife uh, played volleyball at Pepperdine. And, uh, oh, she did. Oh, man. There. Yeah. Yeah, man. God, I love volleyball wives. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly plays. She's a monster. You know, Kelly, every time someone sees her play, it makes them question their own game because there are people that train, they work out for this, they watch video for this, and she doesn't even do anything. She doesn't, she just gets on the court and plays. So I'm like, they're like, what the hell am I doing wrong? (laughs) That that she could just, you know, be like, and this at that age and just roll up, you know? So, so I, I, I like girls like her, but, um, the, the the one of the last things I wanted to talk about was your your was LMU. You had this pattern as a coach. Every year, the team is a little bit better. All right. Um, so basically, it's like a rebuilding year. There's a year to compete, and there's a year you're like, all right, let's make a run at this at this chip. I thought you did a, a magnificent job at Santa Monica. Um, had Nick DiMatteo talk about talk about what what the team looked like when you got there and 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 what they become in fact is as little as one season later right you they were like 0 and 11 to like <laughs> to like wow so first year you guys were under 500 
year I was with you, 22 and 14. Last year, I think 21 and 9 or something like that, or 2019. 2020, we could just, I just want to erase that year from my life. We could just call this 2020 now instead, you know, and still remember Sean Connery died or Alex Trebek. So where are you as far as how close are you to competing for the chip right now? Yeah, I don't know if I could answer. I haven't seen any of the teams this year. Um, it's weird because normally we have the fall season where we get to kind of get a sense of, you know, how the other schools are and we can kind of see how we line up. And I haven't seen anybody play. Um, uh, last year, I thought we were pretty good. Um, we, uh, yeah, I thought we beat a couple of good teams and, and we pretty much have the same roster. Um, we were lucky to bring everyone back and we added Ia, who's a great addition and, and a couple of good freshmen. Um, so I think we're good, but I, I think everyone else got to keep their seniors too. You know, um, like LSU, like you said, got to yeah. keep. Um, well, they're number one right now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I know SC's lineup. Um, if you look at SC's lineup, it's pretty scary. Um, yep. UCLA is always good. Florida State. So, yeah, I don't know. I know we're we're gonna get a little bit better each day, and if that's good enough to beat the other teams, then we'll be excited. Yeah. Well, I think. That's what makes beach volleyball, college beach volleyball unique, right? Like, look, if I just had to pick pair ones, it's LSU. Taryn Cloth and Kristen Nuss are, have been running roughshod over everybody from, from the pandemic all the way to, to uh, I guess, going to Florida, Louisiana, where they're a little bit more lax with their rules. They, they went to 12 tournaments and they won all 12. And they beat mm -hmm. Kelly Kalinske and Stockman 2-0. They beat Bree Scarborough and Davis 2-0. I mean, college players just just – house and people then of course you got tina gradina who's you know i don't know who her partner is going to be for usc right now but um she's going to the olympics while everybody else is chilling in hawaii you know for the avp this one went to china uh for a bid tournament and 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 she won and you know she came again she was on the podcast because her mentor oldest lucis who lives in latvia was uh the guy he's the guy that taught me how to play he was my mentor he spent two decades in New York. He, he was at UCLA with Karch in 1979, like some fourth string setter, but also in the wrestling team. So, so but the reason why I asked that is because, John, you go again from here. I see, I see a pattern. I see a pattern the way I think every, every coach that wants to turn a program around. I see this pattern where you're here, here, and then this year we want to make a run. And if we don't do it, all these girls are seniors. We're definitely going to win the year after that. So we can try to repeat or, or we, can, we can do this, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. So, so that is the advantage. How deep is your pairs? Right? Because, I mean, Pepperdine, you, I mean, your pair won. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it was a mismatch because Savannah was a, was a good player and Bo is, Bo is only getting better as we speak. But you won two, four, and five. I think, or two, three, and five, twice. In 2019, um, I think it was two, three, four. Two, three, and four. Yeah. But no, but the first time, the for because uh, it was double elimination, you had to play Pepperdine twice. Oh, the first yeah, time, right. um, who's three, the girl four, from A&M? Who's the transfer from A&M? She was with oh, you, Paige. Paige. Yeah. yeah, she, she. I remember, I, I was there. I filmed that game, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Come on, I was, you're right, I was a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I filmed that right. game. But um, yeah, so how deep are your parents? I mean, I, I think we're getting better. I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the fives at SC. I haven't seen the fours at LSU. Um, I don't even know who our fours and fives are. Um, oh, okay. I know that that uh, the every every spot's so important, and we really we put the same attention into each player, and we don't go 
we got to prioritize her or her because she's a one and she's a six. We just know we want to get, we want to figure out what's the most important thing for her to get better at today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how can we put her in the right environment to allow her to grow? And if we can do that, then, then I think, you know, we'll have a shot at, at playing our best. Well, John, but that's, yeah, I yeah. don't know how to, it's hard to compare. You know, no one's played a match in a year. Well, I'm not, I wasn't actually talking about comparisons. I was talking about um, what you, what your, your, the foundation of you as a coach, taking care of things you can control over things that you can't, you know? So my question was, as far as the depth in your pairs and was their ability to take care of things they can control, like are, are, better, are, the, are your players getting better in windy situations or um, cer certain things that were, that seemed problematic or dwindling away. So does and which is going to provide you depth in the three, four, and five position, which which can win your championship. <laughs> you know, you just need three. You just need three. So, so as far as taking care of controllables, uh, do you? I guess I'll ask the question another way. Do you see um, improvement in that? Uh, it's so many people. It's across. You know, some some players are uh, improving, and some take steps back. I think learning is really nonlinear. It's we all want it to be like this, like steady. Uh, but it's really nonlinear. So it's like there's dips and then there's right. jumps and then there's dips. And um, so I, I don't know. It's hard to go through like each player. I think each player is on a different path. But um, I mean, our goal is to help them improve and improve at the right areas. Okay. Uh, we're watching, you know, we're watching film and trying to create the right, again, the right drill, the right activity, the right environment, the right feedback so that they can grow a little bit, you know, as they go through it. But um we we really care about each girl and we want to see them be the best they can be oh john mayer <laughs> you tap dance like the late great gregory hines man i was trying to get you to get some names but listen there's you've always been a complete team person so i'm not i'm not gonna press you on that uh last but not least got carissa cook and um in your house right now right a uh, long time player i believe did she play at stanford yeah okay and yeah, good player and highly knowledgeable player. I, um, her face to me says no nonsense, very much like Betsy. I, I don't know if it's like the same killer mentality, but <laughs> but um, how much having her on board, how much has that been um, helpful, useful to you? And how much has she picked up as far as your coaching philosophy? And of course, in conjunction with Aaron Mansfield, still with you guys? Yeah, just the indoor. He's not with us on the beach anymore. But okay. just Yeah, but I, I talk to him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Betsy's a killer for sure. You, you nailed it. Carissa's got a, a sweeter side okay. uh, than Betsy. Uh, and in a good way, Betsy's, you know, competitive yeah. off the court. She's Man, that kid's going to be toilet trained at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, but talk to me a little bit about Carissa. Uh, yeah, to the, Carissa's to the people great. listening. Um, you know, Betsy's been... Um, the only coach I've had with me, I started in 2015 and she graduated. So I coached her at LMU and then uh, she was my first uh, assistant. So we've been together, you know, coaching together or I've been coaching her for 10 years. So we had a, you know, a pretty steady thing going and kind of didn't even have to say stuff. And we knew uh, she kind of knew what I wanted or I knew what she wanted. Uh, so, you know, it's a big loss. The loser is, is, uh, is tough. But uh, Carissa, gosh, she just came in and, and she really... She really has a sense of kind of what's needed where, and she's um, she's really adaptable. And but but I mean, basically, like she has a really positive mentality. She loves volleyball. She's a volleyball rat. Like she mm -hmm. she plays like she'll play fours all all the time on the weekends. And 
Um, and then, yeah, she's really sharp and, and really good with people. And I don't know, I think we, we just hit a home run getting her. We got really lucky to, to kind of get her as a super sub uh, for these four months in the season. Um, you know, she coached at Sanford as an assistant for three years, so she knows the college game. And um, yeah, she's just been great. And it's been fun for me to learn from someone different. You know, Betsy and I had a really similar perspectives. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get Carissa's viewpoint and kind of understand how she sees things and helps me learn more, helps me grow. No doubt, no doubt. And so it's you, Carissa, and who else? Uh, my younger brother, Joseph. He's uh, the volunteer. Yeah. Joseph? Oh my, yeah. anyone who's ever seen this kid, he looks like John Mini-Me. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually coached against your brother for uh, Boys Indoor. I forget who oh, yeah. he was, whatever, but I really like that kid. He's just, no matter what kind of talent falls in his lap, because you know club can, can be different like that. Certain clubs want to go to certain places and this and that. Man, the, that kid can scrap. That kid can, I mean, as a coach, that kid can scrap. I played him so many times and every, well, maybe four times total and all four went to the third set. And I've had some teams on two occasions, I had a team that was more talented, but I'm telling you, (laughs) sometimes, right? Hard works beat talent when talent don't want to work hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So how how cool is it having him? Talk to me about having your brother. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he probably gets frustrated with me and I'm, t- I'm probably tougher on him <laughs> than I need to be. Uh, but he's really eager to improve as a coach. He really uh, is into it. You know, he's coaching nonstop in the club level. He wants the experience. Um, he wants to understand the game at a high level. And th- he, I think he sees this as his career path, you know, he, whether it's indoor or beach, he wants to, to be in the college game and coaching it. So right. he's great with the girls. The, um, his enthusiasm for the sport and enthusiasm for people uh, is great to have around. And yeah, no, it's, it's fun to be able to spend time with him. I like that kid a lot, dude. I like that kid a lot. And hopefully he has a heightened emphasis on controllables like you do. And, and again, for people listening to the podcast, when we don't just mean on court stuff, cause I had a little debate about you about on court stuff about, um, I, I believe losing the teams that are better than you and beating teams that you're better than as far as on court controllables. But you mentioned stuff like the weight room, right? The other team can't control how much time you spend in the weight room. The the other team can't control if you're doing the dunes and you're, you have like a time, a certain time you are, you want to do the dune or stairs or whatever, or, or not just repetitions, but like competing to physically prepare yourself as well as sports psychology. Those are things that you brought to my attention that I, I didn't even know we were talking about until you brought it to my attention. And I was like, okay, hee-haw, <laughs> I'm, I'm an idiot, okay? I, I, get, I get it, I get it, I get it. So, so I really, I really um, if, he's in, if, if he comes in with that kind of same philosophy, he just might be another, you know, another you coming up, you know, and you always want people to be better than you. So, you know, uh, you're like, don't be me, be better than me. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's always been your mentality. So I was very cool, about, very happy about that. So when's your first game? We I know play, people can't uh, come, but when's your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, February 27th, we're out at Florida State. We play, I think, Georgia State first. And then we, uh, a couple hours later, we play Florida State. So yeah, we open up with some tough teams. You said Fort Sill? At Florida State. Oh, okay. Florida State. Okay. I'm like, yeah. Fort Sill. <laughs> yeah. No, so we got Georgia State first and then FSU second. FSU. Cool. Who's who is yeah. um coaching FSU right now? Uh Brooke Niles. Right, Brooke. Um yeah. and f- 
Georgia, whom? Who's coaching them? Uh, Georgia State is um, Beth Van Fleet. Got it. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Hey, big up to our guy, um, Tom Black, right? So, and women's indoor, still still with yeah. Georgia right now, trying to do good things out there. That's um, I, I call him and Aaron your, um, his Jedis. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, Dumphy, Dumphy is the common denominator. I get that. But but um, Tom Black is good company to keep, even though oh, yeah. as far as indoor volleyball is concerned. People just dis will disagree with me. But as far as someone who uh, um, star power versus the the actual ability to do the job right here, right now, got to go with Mansfield. Got to go. Got to got to go with Mansfield. I give Mansfield a rub on that. As far as doing more with less, as far as um, being capable to of doing the job right here, right now, just like um, chemistry over, uh, um, versus the conflicted forces of chemistry versus talented teams, um, star power and reputation, which automatically commands a discipline, versus someone who someone doesn't know. A lot of people don't know very well that are that are just savages. I mean, Aaron comes from a long line of coaches, but out, I'm telling you, outside of the region, a lot of people don't know him. But I am so glad I met that dude, man. I I am yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's not enough nice things I could say. He had a kid, right? A couple of years. Um, he's got a, he's got a four and a two, I think. Yeah, two boys. Yeah, maybe five and two. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. And how was yours? Good. How was your little monster? Uh, she's actually eight today. What? Yeah, <laughs> growing up fast. Jeez, I remember when she was four. I got one that's yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everything that kid went through at four, where she's running around the house like it's the wild, wild west. Um, that's me right now, John. <laughs> that's me right now. Yeah, Listen, that's it goes fast. Yep. Look, that's all I got. Sorry I talked more than you, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes I gotta do that to get that out of you. You're not I'm not saying you're shy, but we both knew know who the extrovert is here. <laughs> um Kelly sends her love. All my love to you and your family. And um I would love for uh, Ia to come on the podcast. I mean, I would definitely run it by you first but at any point that she wants to come on be before the season starts yeah let her know let her i mean yeah. last again two weeks ago i had tina and then the week mm -hmm. before that i had kristen nuss and taryn cloth so it's not yeah um i mean mostly i'm interviewing pros and coaches but it's not uncommon for for me to um to tap into the college scene so so yeah. well, so passing he is going to be a pro she loves the game and she she's a savage dude she's so passionate about it oh my god goodness how much of i see a little betsy in her on the yeah. on the defense as far as like the mobility and and mm. allowing the game to come to her very much like you oh my my goodness dude she's gonna be great yeah. um anyone want to know more about lmu volleyball plug in a site for them for our people listening oh gosh i don't know google lmu beach volleyball lmu lines you just yeah, say you google go. I just say Google him. Okay. He's like, what else am I supposed to say, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know the address. All right. Yeah. All right. So listen, this ain't going to be one of these two-hour deals for you, all of y'all listening at home, okay? John Mayer may love you, but I can't stand you. In fact, I had enough with all, of all of you. So all of, of all of you at home, of all of you on your iPads or your iPhones at Starbucks, all of you on your droids, all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For John, the mayor, mayor, I'm Jason DeBiss. This is episode 78 of the Option Podcast. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.